0: Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna, Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. hope you enjoy today's sermon. All right, friends, we are going to um, finish up talking about Colossians, but first I just wanted to share some highlights from this week. You all have been so kind to be praying for Oscar and and walking with our family during this summer. I mean, it's it's literally taken up the whole summer. He was born June 6th, um, and when he was 17 days old, um, began running a very high fever and was hospitalized and then and he has gone through that now three times, <laughs> and so he's home. Um, I went this week to lend a hand because my son in law needed to travel so um, to be there so that my daughter wouldn't be alone for those um, while he was traveling and drove home yesterday so i um I, I I've got a couple of stories from the road for you and that but I wanted to show you a couple of pictures of Oscar um, there he is so Everybody asks, like, because he's, he's faced so much of this um, being in the hospital and everything, but other than that, he's the healthiest baby. That's my daughter, Catherine. So this one is showing him in, this, in the same crib. The, the picture on the left is like when he's a week old, and the picture on the right is the other day. The difference is, I don't know if you can tell how skinny his legs were, <laughs> he was he's not that much longer he's he's like four inches longer than when he was first born but his he's doubled in weight and so as far as his growth patterns and all of that he's he's thriving he's he's um you know nursing and 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 eating right is everything seems to be functioning just fine it's just this mystery why this infection and when it when it rears its ugly head, um, then it's a high fever. He's, he's in pain everywhere in his body. Um, there's some swelling that's going on. It's just weird. And so we're just trusting God. God, the doctors don't understand it, but they've, and they've done everything and they're, you know, all kinds of tests that they can figure out to do. We're trusting. He's on a final round right now of intravenous antibiotics. And We're just trusting God that this time it's not going to come back, you know, and I I thank you. My mother called me uh, Friday night to share with me. She lives in Tampa, Florida, and she has added Oscar to the prayer team at her church. But then this other church that she's affiliated with. They she had asked them to pray. And so somebody from that team called her for a follow up. You know, we're, we're praying for your grandson. And she said, well, actually, it's my great grandson. You know, um, But um, so she and so she just wanted to call me. She said, I don't know if Catherine realizes that people in all these places that don't even know. And, and I'm like, actually, Mama, yet yeah, people all over the world are praying for this baby. And it's an amazing reality of the family of God friends and I and I hope that that each of us know that if you have a, a, a special need like that that we can develop that as an ongoing pattern where we are praying for each other and lifting each other up and knowing that um, we we are not on our own in our struggles and in the things that we are facing so here's a lesson from the road I wanted to share with you there's it's a crazy picture um, I chose to drive partway down on Tuesday so that I didn't have to do two straight through drives um, in, in within four days of each other. And so I got down to Pigeon Forge. That's I found a room and I'm in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And so I got there around six. I'm just looking on Googling for for a place to eat, and it turned out I was right next to the the place in Pigeon Forge that's called the Island, where there's a big fountain in the middle. There's a Margaritaville, and there's the and and then there's Paula Dean, and it's like Paula Dean, like that's supposed to be a big deal. Like you go to Savannah and you have to eat at Paula Dean. Well, I'm right next door; it's walking distance. Why don't I just go eat at Paula Dean? Well. Here's the problem. When you're traveling by yourself, don't go eat at Paula Deen, okay? Because here's how they serve it. It doesn't matter. You just have to buy the thing. And they're going to serve it family style. And so two meats, four sides, biscuits, a dessert. So... That's me. That's me. That's not like me and five other people. That's me right there. All that food. And then you have to like wait, of course, for it to come. So you're kind of just sitting at your table by yourself like nobody to talk to. You know, It's like this was not the thing to do when you're traveling alone. You know, you just need to do some go go. And then I realized next door was somebody else's like Chicken house, like I could have just picked up some chicken and, and sat on sat at the hotel and looked out at the river and been fine, you know. But um, so that's my lesson from the road. I'm I'm thinking, and I may ask you this week. Um, so many of you have traveled this summer, and for Labor Day weekend, I would like us to maybe collect a few stories of lessons from the road. Maybe something funny happened to you this summer wherever you were going I maybe we can compare miles I think the NARAs will win but we might could compare how many miles have you done this summer um, places you've gone and that kind of thing so so be looking for that email request and and then actually re- hit reply and come back to me with a little bit on that but um, lessons from the road. Don't go eat it, Pauline. And I told Craig I like his cooking better anyway, you know, once I got it all. It was like, yeah, she, put, she puts a little too much salt for my taste, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're just going to take a look back. We're finishing up this series on Colossians. And um, I'm just going to share some of my favorite verses and concepts from the book. So I've just asked Jonathan to have it ready for me. As I call out a verse, he will put it up. If you want to have your Bible open to the book of Colossians. We basically now looked at things in all four chapters of this short letter. And, uh, in the first week, I shared that NT Wright in his commentary says, we cannot just read through Colossians and have a linear understanding or, re- or a revelation like, like, um, like ticks on a ruler it's not just a straight thing instead it unfolds and opens up like a flower and the themes and the wisdom brought into view they are are in layers and as we've gone through each chapter that's what i've seen more and more something in in verse in chapter three, we'll bring back up something that we read in chapter one and and, and make it m- even more um, enlightened. I, again, encourage you, if you have not done it, to take time to read through the entire letter in one sitting. I did it again this morning, and I, I I think it was under 15 minutes. It really doesn't take that long, but you just get the the sense of the flow of this book. And then, even though we are moving on from this, series spending some time meditating in the book of colossians it's always going to be a worthwhile investment if you're just struggling with what should i read right now well go back to colossians meditate some more on it let it fill you up you know if if colossians were a painting it would be i think full of light it would it would have brilliant colors of the heavens as we are to set our mind on things above. It would have garments of sparkling arrayment, as we have put on these new clothes. It would have beauty undescribable. if it were a painting. It would have a section of it that shows a kingdom of darkness, but it's it's diminishing, it's, it's leaving, because, and it would have the cross in a central spot in that picture. And it would have Jesus Christ victorious, because the, the supremacy of Christ is, what is the main theme of this book of Colossians. So here are some of my favorite statements from the book of Colossians first that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God that is in chapter one I'm sorry I'm not seeing the numbers good here 16 I believe Christ is the visible image of the invisible God you know God is not trying to hide from us we can feel that sometimes we feel like is God did you, what 15. Thank you. All right. Um, that, that he's difficult to understand or to see, but he sent Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, you know, in in that discourse in John 14, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Christ is the visible image of the invisible god god wants to reveal himself to us he has done so through christ he gave us something visible tangible and it, and the point to help us know him better the in the very first 3 verses i think it uses this family language uh, verse two, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our father give you grace and peace. We are family. We are built as a family in the kingdom of God. He uses the family image to tell us how he relates to us. That. We, I am who you say that I am. I am a child of God. That's a part of what this is saying, that we have been brought into the family of God. Those bonds that tie us together are strong. Last week, we looked at the household code, um, and it gives us a new paradigm to how to live as individual family units compared to what the world had known prior. Uh, but in addition to that, we are all part of this larger family of God. Not every one of us live in the same kind of individual household as each other. And and it's important to understand that. that when we read the household code, we might say, well, I'm not a wife. So how does this have anything to do with me or whatever? But we are all in the family of God, you see? And so no matter whether we are, um, we might live in with uh, married with children, we might be empty nesters, we might be single, we might live with roommates or housemates, whatever your family setup is, we are still all, um, you know, zoom out part of the greater family of God. Amen. Our, the faith, hope, and love that showed up in our first week that we talked about. And our faith is in Christ. It's not just my faith. It's not just me, a a weak substance trying to be strong on its own accord. It's that that faith is focused on Christ. That's what makes it strong. We are grounded in him. We are sustained by him. Our hope is in this new life and the understanding of the eternal scope and nature of that life. We are brought into God's cosmos. We are delivered from the kingdom of darkness, and we live with the hope of heavenly things in sight. This little plaque that I've got down here, that lives in my office. So I look at that every day. Set your mind on things above. We live in that new kingdom where we are setting our minds on things above and the love of God. So faith, hope and love where we see that many times in the scripture. The love of God compels us in our attitudes and our actions toward one another. And and so this is another thing that unfolds throughout the book of Colossians. Colossians tells us that Christ has reconciled all things. He is the supreme creator of all things. In him God was pleased to live in all of his fullness. He became the meeting place of the invisible and the visible and reconciled everything to himself by means of his blood. So those invisible thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities, they cannot escape that reconciling power of Jesus shed blood and our soul stains, those sins. (laughs) So we talked about the canceled debts, you know, we may still have a memory of a mistake, of a sin. It may haunt us, but the blood of Jesus has washed that. It's it's only in that memory that we have to allow that to be sanctified because the blood of Christ has made it whole. We have come clean. So things above, chapter one says that the gospel infused us with confident hope of what God has reserved for us in heaven. And then chapter three, let's look at that scripture, chapter three, verse um, one through three, I think. Um, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? Amen. So a couple of things from that. We are (laughs) given this encouragement to look at the things above, but not just the encouragement to do it, but the ability to do it. How can you look at things above? How can you see what's in heavenly places? Because Jesus has revealed those things to us because we have been brought into this new life because we've been given eyes that can see the kingdom of God. And so we've been enabled to do it. We've been encouraged to do it. We've been instructed. Instructed to do it. So here's a few um, things to think about on that. Um, Romans 12 talks about, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? Do you remember how? by the renewing of your mind. So it's basically saying a very similar thing here. Don't think about the things of this world, but think about the things of heaven. Renew your mind thinking about the things of heaven. Well, what are some of those things? What is it that we're thinking about if we're going to try to renew our mind? I'm trying to make it, give us something practical, tools to think about here. We don't, it's not just, meditating on the word of God is not the same as what some um, Eastern religions or other types of meditation may, you may have been exposed to. It is not trying to have a blank mind. It is about trying to have your mind on the word of God, on the reality of Jesus Christ, on his supremacy, meditating on that, allowing that to push out the negative thoughts of this world. So whatever those negative thoughts are, whether they are anger or fear or anxiety or doubt, pushing those thoughts out with the truth of who. God is. The song that we, one of the worship songs we sang, I am who you say that I am. That's a great place to start. Just listening to that song over and over that saying what God has said about you. That is a way that we set our minds on things above. So when Craig and I were teenagers, there was a song that we sang all the time from this scripture. And I need to get into the king james here let me see um okay king james says it this way and we sang it in the king james if ye then be risen with christ seek those things which are above where christ sitteth on the right hand of god Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So the chorus of this song literally said, ye are dead over and over again. And it was, you know, it was just some basic, um, ye are dead, ye are dead, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Ye are dead, ye are dead. Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, as a teenager, you know you're hearing that it is like King James's language and all of that, but it has stuck with me because of the singing that over and over in those years. Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, it why why would telling yourself you're dead be good news? Like, that's, ye are dead, ye are dead. But no, you are dead to that old life, and your new life is safe and protected and hidden with Christ in God. That's what this setting our mind on things above is telling us setting our affections on things above, not letting our heart ties and our soul ties be tied to idols or, um, Outcomes that we insist upon—it has to be this or else. We have to let God be supreme and He be in charge of what we are doing. A couple of things—I I listened to uh, lessons from the road again. Listened to a lot of different podcasts this week, and there I found one, and it's—it's it's amazing to me how the Lord will bring multiple ways for you to find a certain thing but this came to me through uh, two or three different sources but the name of the podcast is Things Above and it's a professor from Friends University and he basically just does a teaching um, to help us but the point of every podcast is to help us think about the, the, the way God would think about something well the one I happened to listen to guess what it was about worry, (laughs) how to overcome worry and anxiety. And the reality that in Colossians, it says that scripture that Jesus is holding everything together. And it's like, what got left out of that? If he is holding everything together, what is he not holding together? Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. He is holding everything together. And so learning how to set our minds on what the scripture says and believe he has got everything. He's holding it. He's sustaining it. We can trust in him. We can believe in him. So that's a resource I would offer to you. Um, Things Above is the name of that podcast. Um, And then the guy's name just left me, but Things Above. Uh, And then... In my devotion, and I'm going to end with this. Let's look back at chapter one. I just want to read starting from verse 15 again. This is called the hymn of Christ. Let me get back into the right translation here. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. This is this is considered a hymn. So in that day, this would have been like part of their their worship time. I don't know what if it was set to music or if it was said with responsive reading or or how it was done. But just imagine something beautiful as you're hearing this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Here's the phrase that was in our, my reading devotion this week. The resurrection was not a reversal of a defeat, but a manifestation of the victory on the cross Jesus was winning a victory on the cross it was not a defeat it was not a a, a failure that then god rectified through the resurrection <laughs> it was a victory And that's part of what Colossians is explaining to us, that through his blood at the cross, he disarmed the principalities and powers through his death. He took the supremacy and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. And that victory was fully manifested in the resurrection. The resurrection Seals the victory. The resurrection makes it full and complete, but it is uh, the cross. We need to understand the power of the cross itself, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly, it says, by his victory over them, on the cross. We can, what did you, and how are we to follow Jesus? How are we to follow Jesus? I forgot to get that verse. I want to look that up real quick, um, Jonathan. I think it is in chapter two. It's, it's the scripture that says, and how you came to Christ, continue to follow him. Verse six of chapter two, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. How do we follow him? Jesus said, if you will be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Well, when I was thinking about this reality of, uh, the victory of the cross, that put a new emphasis on that for me. Yes, taking up our cross and following him means denying ourself. It means stop thinking about my things and, and what I want and set my mind on things above. Yes, it does mean that. But it also means we are not just carrying around a symbol of death. Ye are dead, ye are dead. We are carrying around that symbol of victory because we are now living. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. So I don't know if that adds a little punch for it to you, but it did for me. The more I think about that, that the victory of the cross is something that we walk with. And so when when we are saying, yes, I want to be your disciple, Jesus, and I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. Yes, it is death. It is a death to the old ways, but it is also life. It is power. It is victory. It is overcoming. It is being a conqueror. It is living according to the pattern that Christ has given to us, and we can do it with confidence, with hope, with joy, with love. We are walking forward. It it is not a drudgery thing as we take up our cross and follow him. It is an empowered life that we are living in him. Amen. Amen. Well, I want us to end this week uh, in. Yeah. Right now with praying for our students as they enter into school. And um, Stephanie, this is her first year not working in the school system. Do we have anybody else that your, your your employment or your activity is connected to the school system? I I don't think so. So students, would you do me a favor and just come up here and we're going to make a circle around you. And we're going to pray for you that we're able, you will be empowered as you carry your cross, as you go into the school setting, that you're going to be able to set your mind on things above. You're going to be able to see things the way God wants you to see them. You're going to be able to know who you are in Christ and be strong in him. Amen. Amen. And um, and withstand the attacks of the enemy, the temptations that may come your way. And we're just going to trust God for that. So I'm, I'm inviting everybody. Will you just come and we're going to make a circle around these students.